your Bibles and you're able to stand with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. You'll probably recognize it when we get there. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Father, I thank you today for your word. But Lord, I pray especially today that we would open our hearts. Allow your word to have free course in our lives. Allow the Spirit of God to speak to us in a fresh and new way. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Just before we began our Advent celebration, we were looking at things that are causing the foundation to be destroyed. And in the few weeks just before the Advent, we were particularly looking at a subject that very few churches preach about anymore, and that's the subject of holiness. And I mentioned several weeks ago, there are two H words you hardly ever hear in church anymore, holiness or hell. And I want you to understand both are real. And both are important to understand, one to pursue holiness and one to avoid is hell. And so the Bible says, follow peace, Hebrews 12 verse 14, with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We live in a world, at least in our culture, where people have convinced themselves that everybody, when they die, goes to heaven. How many know that's not what the Bible says? God wants them to. God sent his son to die for their sins that they might go to heaven. But those who have never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, cannot enter heaven. Thank God He made a way. And we preached several months ago, there's only one way. His name is Jesus Christ. But I want you to realize this morning, if you're a believer, if you're born again, I want you to know you have an obligation to be holy before the Lord. God demands it of our lives. And we don't hear that preached in most churches today, not much anyway. But I look at this verse and how many know the Bible is true? And God says, if I'm not holy, I will never see him. And I want to tell you that is not ambiguous. Very clear, very direct. And very to the point. And when I read a verse like this, it's not a verse of a promise, if you will. It's a verse of obligation. 
As a child of God, I have obligated myself to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. And so holiness must be a priority in our lives. Without holiness, no man, no woman will ever see the Lord. How holy is God? Holy, holy, holy. And I think you could put infinity on there, right? Just keep on going. Our God is that holy. And I want you to realize if we're going to see God, we must be holy as he is holy. And God is serious about holiness. And I think about that. And knowing that God is serious about holiness, holiness ought to motivate me. Knowing that I can't see God without being holy, that ought to motivate me to want to live a holy life every day. Because without that, we cannot see God. We simply cannot see God. Now, we've covered quite a bit of ground on holiness We looked at what it means to be holy several weeks ago now, probably about a month or so ago at least. We looked at how to live holy, but I want to remind you, Peter is quoting from the Old Testament, and the command is clear, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. How many know that is not a suggestion? Not try to. Not a good thought. It is a clear, concise command. Be you holy, for I am holy. If you are born again, if you are born again, you are set apart and you ought to be different Because of the qualities God has brought into your life. And I want to say right now, get it, the new year started right. You can claim to be born again all you want, but if your life has not changed, you're not born again. Amen? You may have said a prayer, you might have been baptized, but if your life's not been changed... If you're not living for God, you have not been born again. Well, wait a minute, preacher. I went to church three weeks in a row. I mean, I went, I went Easter. I went uh, Christmas. And I threw a couple of winter last year. Surely, if your life is not different, you have not been born again. So the moment you're saved, how many glad you're saved? Amen. God declares us holy. Amen. Before you do any done, before you do, <laughs> going to be a great year. I can say that already. Before you do any righteous act, the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, God declares you holy, righteous. Justified by faith. But once we've been declared holy, we have to work out that in our lives. We have to live like we're holy. We have to 
flesh out what God has declared us to be. He's declared us holy. And by the way, once you're born again, you're part of a brand new family. And we're to live out that divine family likeness every day in our lives. Day by day, week by week, we're to walk, we're to behave, and we're to work it out in our conduct. We live differently because of the hope we have in Christ. We're already declared righteous, but now we want to become righteous, become holy practically. Now, also understand, to become holy, you must be born again. Because no man or woman can become holy on their own. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. So His presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit, you know, we do that in loving obedience to God's Word, and that begins to form God's character in our lives. Now, you know, uh, Pam thought when I got, we married him, she married me that I was perfect. She found that I'm almost not quite there. But every once in a while, we'll get a little disagreement. Do you ever have disagreement? And my dad's name is Lauren. Some of you have met him. And she gets me confused with my dad sometimes. She said, now, Lauren? Now, there's some things about my dad I like. Some I don't. But my Heavenly Father, I love everything about Him. I don't want people to see Him in me. I want them to see Him in me. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week in everything I do. And that ought to be sort of a a natural result of Christ being in us. Flowing out of us in our lives. So the key here of being holy is obedience to the Word of God. And I, I, I have a problem with Christians who don't read their Bible. Amen? If you don't read God's Word, how do you know what He wants from you? How do you know what holy living looks like? But for those who are in the Word of God, the key here is to being holy is to be obedient to the Word of God and yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is so important. And I'm convinced there are way too many Christians who are living in active, willful sin today. Let me back up. There are too many who claim to be Christians who are living in active, willful sin today. It's a new year, okay? I'm going to get mean. Not really. But I love you. I love you because God loves you. But here I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible is very clear. If you are living in active, willful sin, you're not born again. It's impossible to continue to live that way. That doesn't mean we don't ever sin. I didn't say that. 
But to continue living in active, willful sin is a sign you've never been born again. And too many Christians live in that way, or claim to be. Now we spent a couple of weeks looking at sexual sins like adultery, uh, living together before marriage. We don't hammer that really. Homosexuality, pornography. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, look at verse 19. Paul says this, I speak after the manner of men. Because of the infirmity or the weakness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. There was a time, even as a Christian, There was a time we were slaves to sin. And Paul says, I'm speaking to you because I know the weakness of your flesh. Now, you know how Paul knows our weakness of our flesh? He had weakness of flesh, too. Everybody does. We, We fight that battle. And so Paul says, yes, there was a time. You were slaves to impurity. You were slaves to lawlessness. And all that did was lead you deeper and deeper into sin. And the problem was, Paul said, you yielded your members, your hands, your eyes, your ears, everything you did, you gave it over to sin. To do the desires of your heart. No regard for God. So yes, there was a time we were slaves to sin. But my friend, Jesus saved us, and thank God he set us free from that sin. He has liberated us from sin, so now, Paul says, don't be slaves to sin, be slaves to righteousness. Yield your body, your members, your hands, your eyes, yield them to God. And you will become holy. You will become holy. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if any praise... Think on these things. Now, you know I'm not very computer savvy. I've learned a little bit. But I remember early on, I think it was uh, Brother Dave uh, Hamlin told me, that they're saying about computers, garbage in, garbage out. That applies to our mind. You allow garbage to come in, guess what's going to come out? Garbage. Paul says, think on these things. Notice again our text, Hebrews twelve fourteen. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, whenever you take holiness and you apply it to God, 
We're talking about the word holiness refers to God's moral perfection. It also refers to the fact that God is totally separate from humanity. And by the way, he's not my daddy. He's not that finest guy. He's my heavenly father. He's separate from humanity in his holiness, in his separateness. But when we take that word holy, holiness, and we apply it to ourselves, it means that we are devoted or consecrated to his service. And that's why I didn't want to just stop what we did several weeks ago talking about sexual sins. Because we can say, you know, I'm not doing that, that, and that. And that's important. We shouldn't be involved in those things. Shouldn't be named among Christians. Paul wrote a letter to the church of Corinth. And he said to them, you're allowing things to go on in your church. Even the unsaved wouldn't allow it to go on. And Paul said, let it not be named among you. And so it is with those sexual sins. But understand, it's not just what we do that can be sins, what we don't do. And so when I think about being holy, it means to be devoted or consecrated to his service. Now remember, as a child of God, we were made holy once for all by the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at our life, He perceives us as holy because of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf. Amen. God sees us as holy. So in a practical way, our holiness means that we honor God in how we treat others. Amen. We honor God in how we treat our friends. We honor God in how we treat our neighbors. We honor God in how we treat our spouse. We honor God in how we treat our children. And folks, we honor God even how we treat our enemies. So understand what holiness means. We also honor God in how we run our business. Say amen or oh me. We also honor God in how we handle our finances. I used to tell people... Give me your checkbook and I'll see how devoted you are to God. Now with everybody paying their bills online, I guess I'd see their bank account. I don't know how to do that, okay? But it, it shows how we honor God. And holiness is what causes Christians, it causes our behavior, it causes our thoughts, and our attitudes to be different from those of non-believers. Because Christ is in us. Now, the writer of Hebrews says, yes, we're to pursue peace. But also follow holiness. But also understand, while we are pursuing that peace, we are to, at the same time, remain separate from the world. And the problem today is, folks, it's getting harder and harder, more difficult 
to tell the difference between the world and the church. So our holiness provided for us by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will allow us one day to see the Lord as He really is. And when that day comes, we'll live with Him forever. But the warning is clear. If you're not living a holy life, you will not see the Lord. In spite of what the world may tell you, there are only two roads. You're either on the way to heaven, or you're on the road to hell. Jesus Christ is the road to heaven. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said this, Matthew 12, verse 30. He that is not with me is what? Against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. It is impossible to know Jesus Christ and remain neutral indefinitely. You can't. Years ago, I heard Chuck Swindoll preach a sermon about Christians. And um, you'll, you'll, know, you'll identify those of us who, are, who have more seniority, okay? He said some Christians are Clairol Christians. Remember that Clairol commercial? Only their hairdresser knows. <laughs> but folks, if you're born again, you can't stay neutral. Not forever. You simply can't do it. Jesus says... Anyone who is not actively following me has chosen to be against me. You either for me or you are against me. So any person who tries to remain neutral in the struggle of good against evil by their own choice is choosing to remain separated from God. Because my friend, only God is good. Thank you, Wayne, all the time. Jesus used the word gathering and scattering. They were Old Testament pictures of people who were faithful. They were gathering. And those who were scattering were Old Testament pictures of those who were apostate. Those who had turned against God. Let me give it to you straight. To refuse to follow Christ is to choose to follow Satan. Without holiness, no man or woman shall see the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verses 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Let me stop for a moment. moment. Folks, churches are filled with deceived people today. The world is filled with deceived people. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, drunkards, I'm sorry, 
nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed. Somebody say amen. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Again, verse 9 is not ambiguous. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ and allow any kind of sin to permeate our lives. You simply cannot be a follower of Christ and that happen in our lives. And you show me anyone who persists in their evil practices and have no sign of remorse, even if those people think they are believers, my friend, they need to reevaluate their lives. They need to take a close look to see if they've truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know the devil believes in Christ? So much he trembles. But he's not a follower. Don't be deceived. I find it kind of interesting. I think I counted about ten different sins that Paul lists there in verses 9 and 10. Quite a few. And somewhere we were in that list, okay? Doesn't mean we did all of them, but we're part of that list. It included sexual sins, such as immorality, idolatry, adultery, prostitution, male prostitution, and also homosexuality. Those are sins. But also included things like stealing and greed, drunkenness, slander, and swindling. I got a friend of mine who's retired now. Some of you would know him if I told you his name. Many, most of you would know who he is. And he t- told me one day, I said, hey, I, something about what He said, I wouldn't trust one preacher in Allen County. I said, well, you live in Allen County, so I'm including myself. We've got to be careful here, folks. It's not just the sexuals. There are other things involved here. And certainly, they should not be part of our lifestyle. And, and Paul says to them, some of you were involved in those things. Paul says, the power of Christ has changed your life. Thank God. Folks, Jesus came to change our lives. And here's the great news. There is no kind of sin that cannot be forgiven. God can forgive our sin. When anyone comes to Jesus Christ, when they come to Christ as their Savior, they are washed. Thank God. It's a cleansing process. He has washed away our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for His blood. Hebrews 10.12 And because of that, the Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when anyone receives Christ as their Savior, they are sanctified. It means we've been set apart by God. First Thessalonians 
And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came into our world, because Jesus Christ took our punishment, we are now able to come to God. Come and stand before God. But let's bring holiness to completion. Bringing holiness to completion. 2 Corinthians 7, look at verse 1. Paul says, having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Notice the last part of that verse. Perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. Now to understand those promises, you need to read the previous chapter. Paul says, you know what? We've got all these promises. Paul didn't say let you. He said let us. He included himself. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that is filthy. From everything that does not bring honor to God. And let's perfect our holiness in the fear of God. And when the Bible speaks about perfecting holiness, the idea perfecting holiness, the idea in the Greek is to become mature or becoming complete. And by the way, Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. And he said to them very plainly, I haven't yet attained, but I'm still pressing on. And as long as we live in this life, we won't attain it. But we have to press on. We're going to continually reach forward to that pride, to that high calling of God. And I'm afraid today in our churches, not only do we not preach holiness, we don't preach fear of God anymore. We've lost the fear of God. And certainly if we show respect to our presidents, honor to our kings and dignitaries of our land, doesn't God... Deserve more? Doesn't the king of kings deserve that? Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everyone, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul wrote to one church and said, It's appointed a man wants to die. How many know that's an appointment we'll never miss unless Jesus comes first? And that's bad enough in itself. But then he said, after that, the judgments. We won't miss that either. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, for the Christian, the judgment seat of Christ is not to determine whether you're going to heaven or hell. Jesus determined that already. That judgment seat of Christ, because you can never earn your salvation, it's a gift of God. That judgment seat of Christ is rewards for obedience to Christ. It's interesting. Too many Christians in Paul's day and too many Christians in our day 
believe that their freedom in Christ allows them to live any way they want to. But Paul said, no, wait a minute. He'd already warned them to honor God with their body. Why? Because you've been redeemed. You've been bought with a price. So, not only should holiness and Christian service be motivated, motivated by our love for Christ, it ought to be motivated by our fear for Christ as well. First, Second Corinthians 5.11 Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others that what we are is known to God, and I hope is known also to your conscience. Paul said one of the reasons I preach the gospel is because I know I have the fear of God in my life. And a particular Greek word that Paul uses for that word fear in the English is a word that refers to anything from terror to awe. Reverential awe. And we're living in an age where independence, courage, and self-reliance are consistently lauded. It is difficult for people today to understand that they, why they should fear anything. My friend, you better fear God. Christian, we need to fear God. Now, to have a solemn fear of God doesn't mean that we are paralyzed. But it means we know God's perfection. And we know that God is going to judge everybody's actions. And that ought to pursue us to living holy lives. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Talk the talk if you want to, baby. Am I allowed to say that, church? <laughs> Tell me all day long you're a Christian. But if you're not keeping His commandments, you don't love Him. If you are not keeping His commandments, you don't love Him. During the, during the years, more than ten years, the Vietnam War, Separating North Vietnam from South was what was known as the dematerialized zone. It was a no man's land. It was burned over and it was barren. Rivers and mountains and man-made walls have served the same purpose for years. Neutral. Open spaces. Where both sides watch and neither side stake out a claim. But my friend, in the spiritual battle between God and Satan, there is no neutral zone. And I want to say today, Let's begin this year with a determination to go over to God's side 
If you're wandering in the middle, go to God's side. Stay on God's side when you're curious about life on the edge. Take your part in the struggle on the front lines. We're witnessing hurts. And few Christians are strong enough to support a church. But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled about finding a neutral zone claimed by no sign at all. Pursue holiness, for without it, no man can see the Lord. Let's stand together. I don't know where you are in your walk with God this morning. There's always a possibility there's someone here who's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord. I want to tell you, without him, you'll never see God. There are only two roads, one on the way to heaven, one to hell. You're on one or the other. There is no neutral zone. And there's always a chance that there are those in attendance in any church who think they're saved and they are not. They are deceiving themselves. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. If your life is not drastically different than the unsaved, chances are you've not been saved. And I would not leave here this morning if I didn't know for sure. God is only a prayer way. He hears the cry of the repentant heart. Those who are genuinely sorry for their sins, those who say, Lord, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I want to devote and consecrate myself to following him. Those are the ones who God saves. Let's pray. Father, right now, I pray you speak to hearts. For those without Christ and those who are saved, remind us, Lord, to live every day in the fear of the Lord, knowing the terror of God. Help us, God, to draw close to you, to pursue holiness. But I pray especially for those who are lost without Christ, Lord, send conviction to their hearts. Draw them to you by your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning.